in the mood that's just that's a creepy song it's a great song it is a great song donovan season of the witch but man think about that when it came out in the 60s that thing is creepy nice. and perfect for this week welcome this is the fright club podcast i'm hope madden and i'm george wolf and we're from madwolf.com check out all the new movie releases all the new movie reviews uh madwolf.com including the horrible new movie gods of egypt <laughs> which uh, my line was Gods of Awful. But I'll tell you what, I've read some other hilarious reviews of that movie because it is so devastatingly bad. <laughs> but there are some good ones, and uh, we like to have those as well, and we also like to uh, do a specific uh, concentration on the horror genre once a week right here on the Fright Club podcast. And uh, boy, I'm looking forward to this one. But, uh, we're going to talk about witches, going to talk about one in particular, the witch, which is not only witch, witch, ha. Huh? which is not only uh, <laughs> racking up, I think it's doing pretty well, it right? Is. At the box office, but generating a lot of conversation among fans, among non-fans, among people who don't really get it, don't really like it, and we'll get to that with somebody who, he says he's not a hater, but he's not a lover either, so mm-hmm. we'll kind of go back and forth about what uh, he thought worked and what didn't work, and, and we just love it, but you know that already. Uh, so uh, we'll get to that, the witches this week, but first of all, we want to say thank you. Great response. We're so glad we did. Uh, we waited. For the witches one week and did Black History Month, the best black characters in horror last week. Yeah, we had a good response for that. I am glad that we decided to do it. And I wanted to thank Maya, who posted on the Columbus Horror Society Facebook page, that she, and I completely forgotten about this, actually, she was hoping to see Danny Glover and switch back. Totally forgot about the movie. Yeah, that's the one with Dennis Quaid, uh, an FBI agent, tries to catch a serial killer who kidnapped his son. That's the uh, that's the synopsis. 1997. Haven't seen it. Totally forgot about it as well. Yeah, I forgot. I completely forgot about it. But it is fun to see Danny Glover. I mean, it's just always fun to see Danny Glover, actually. Oh, yeah. He's always good. But yeah, thank you for that, Maya. And thanks for all the great comments because I think people really uh, appreciated that. It was a chance to talk about just some great actors and some great characters. Well, I think it's fun every once in a while not to do one that's five movies. It but, is. you know, just to look yeah. more closely and at something else. It is. So that means that we put uh, our favorite witches on hold for one week, but here we are. And uh, let's run down, first of all, as we always do, the rules. The rules. The rules of the week. So n- the first thing is, this is not a countdown of the five best individual witches in movies. We're not. We're not doing that. Um, and then the other thing we're not going to do is, is uh, and, and it was just a way to sort of weed this out. So the movie has to actually have witches in it. So it's we're not going to do a lot of the witch hunt movies that were actually great. Some, there's some great horror movies about that. Um, Witchfinder General, Mark of the Devil, Black Death with Eddie Redmayne from a few years ago. So it's not going to be any of the movies where, you know, there there aren't really witches, but it's the horror of, of the witch hunt. Um, and then there are others that we kicked around where you kind of got a sort of a coven, sort of a vaguely satanic sort of thing going on. But if it wasn't specifically a coven of witches, so like Kill List, for example, we love Kill List. Thank but it's kind of hard to figure out what exactly the hell that is going on there. And, you know, um, Wicker Man. Yeah, right? I brought up, we were talking, mm-hmm. I brought up Wicker Man. I brought up uh, House of the Devil. Right. Um, martyrs. Martyrs, yeah. But no, those don't really, those kind of fall a little outside the... Yeah, what we're talking about here. Because you're, you're not, you don't know, would I call them witches? I don't know. I yeah. don't know if I would or not. And then uh, the only one that I really kicked around putting on here, I decided to leave off The Conjuring. Because, I mean, the, the demon there, she's a witch. Bathsheba. But, Bathsheba. She's a witch. But the movie is, I don't know, it's more of a haunted house movie. I don't know. I don't know. I, okay. I just, I love The Conjuring. I do too. But in terms of a witch-centric film, anyway, it didn't make the cut. Okay, well, that's borderline. 
but um, not having it on there leaves it room for something else mm-hmm. that we haven't uh, really talked about before. There's uh, at least one of those, two of those uh, on the list. So, uh, yeah, and we'll get to uh, The Witch, and we're going to bring in our uh, senior Emmy-winning correspondent. That is Mike McGrainer. Uh, we talked to him. He, w- he was with um, Fritz the Night Owl, sure. the legendary Fritz the Night Owl. Uh, he works a lot with Fritz. Uh, when Fritz joined us uh, some weeks ago, some programs ago, and uh, I kind of learned through Facebook from his comments, he's not exactly a fan of The Witch, uh, not as nearly as much as we are. So uh, when we got a hold of him about this, he said, well, let's be clear, I'm not a hater, I just don't, I'm not in all the way. So we're going to talk about that. So we'll get to that on the list, and that should be fun. But let's jump in with number five on our list of favorite witch movies from 2014 Starry Eyes. Kill your old life, Sarah. Bury it in the earth. Join us in the sky. That's me. I'm your girl. I will do whatever it takes for this role. This is a great one. Very small film, and uh, an actress is trying to make it in L.A., um, and, and in a lot of ways, it just gives you a premise that you feel like you know what's going to happen, you know, and, um, and and in a certain way, it does. You know, she falls in with the wrong crowd, and basically what it comes to is she sells her soul, right? Um, but but what I love about this is that the, the, the lead character, the person that you're sort of following through this, she's, she's a delicate flower. She's a very fragile person, and she hangs with, she lives in an apartment complex with just a bunch of other young people who moved out to L.A., want to make it big, and they, um, they sort of make their own movies. They star in each other's movies. They're low-budget, indie, raucous group of people, and she's just not one of them. She is going to be a star. She's, you know, she's, and, and so they don't really like her because they think that she's very snooty but since she's our point of view character you you just think no she isn't she's just good and she has integrity and she's a bit delicate but as the movie progresses you 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 know it it's amazing the way the arc shifts although it doesn't ever feel like anything's been pulled out from under the rug i mean the rug's been pulled out from under you it, you realize from the beginning that no she kind of always was a little sketchy maybe and there are also a couple of great character actors in this um Maria Olsen, you'll know her when you see her. She plays the casting director in Caps. She's, uh, she's, I mean, you'll just know her face. She's in hundreds of horror movies and she has quite a face. And, uh, and, and at one point, the lead, Sarah, she, she goes to an audition and, you know, they, they convince her to on camera do some things she probably wasn't comfortable doing. And then it looks like she doesn't get the part. And the casting director, um, sneaks in, follows her into the bathroom. And uh, and she sort of she starts pulling her own hair out. The actress starts pulling her own hair. She has this very weird, and you realize, oh, she's uh, she's been high strung this one. But the the casting director's face is just priceless, and she asks her to come back for a second. It's just uh, awesome, and it wasn't based on the audition. It was based on the freak show in the bathroom. Well, you know what? It's funny you bring that up. The the audition because apparently that scene was inspired by a story that another not not this actress, but another actress told the director and writer about doing an actual audition for David Lynch. Wow. Uh, so maybe uh, David Lynch's... That wouldn't shock me. No. If his auditions get a little weird. And you know what? I wonder. So the, the producer, 
The actor Louis Desarian plays the producer who's kind of the lead of this coven who's going to convince her to do what she really shouldn't be doing so that she become, she can become famous. And he is so effortlessly creepy. But now that you say that, I feel like maybe he's got a little David Lynch about him. Like maybe <laughs> he kind of does. Um, you know, and then, you know, where it goes, it takes you to this, you know, black mass sort of horror. And then after that, it just goes nutty. And, um... It's very bloody after that, and it's it's just kind of fascinating because it's it's got a lot of surprises to it. And it was actually started uh, as a Kickstarter. A lot of projects are these days, and it was aided a lot by uh, fans of the author Chuck Palahniuk uh, oh, from Fight Club. That's right. Fight yeah, Club. a lot of his fans uh, kicked in for this, and uh, one of the and the uh, co-writer and director of this movie, Dennis Widmeyer. Uh, I guess now runs uh, Chuck's uh, website and, and has a lot to do with his social media. Wow! So their buddies and that, his fans, Chuck's fans, had a lot to do with getting this thing, uh, getting this thing made. And it is number five in our best witches, best witch movies, Starry Eyes, uh, and that is from 2014. Number four is one we've talked about before and goes back a ways. And I, I'm really not a huge fan of this movie, but I am excited about what I hear about the remake. But let's go back to uh, 1977 and the original Suspiria. Roses are red, violets are blue, but the iris is the flower that will mean the end of it. You can run from Suspiria, but you cannot escape Suspiria. The only thing more terrifying than the last 12 minutes of Suspiria are the first 92. You know, it's funny. I remember when this came out when I was a kid and I would go to the theater to see something else. Uh, If it was 77, I assume I was seeing Star Wars. Um, (laughs) And I'd see the poster. Mm. And the poster said that tagline, you know, the only thing more terrifying than the last... 12 minutes of this movie or the first 88 or whatever it is and i thought ooh. uh and then when i finally got around to seeing it i just was underwhelmed and uh, i know it's got great you know um thought of by a lot of a lot of fans it's such a great movie i never thought maybe i need to see it again but uh the word is the early word on the remake of suspiria is good because apparently uh it's going to be starring both uh, tilda swinton nice uh, Dakota Johnson and uh, is going to be an Italian director who did uh, I Am Love. Is that right? Luca yeah. Guardagnino, he said, without any Italian accent whatsoever. <laughs> so uh, I apologize for butchering that. But uh, yeah, that's coming up, um, I think, 2017, which will be the 40th anniversary. Um, so my hopes are high for that one. But we're talking about the original in 77, and you like it better than I do. I do. Uh, and I, I mean, you know, neither one of us are huge fans of Italian horror, and uh, neither one of us are huge fans of Dario Argenta. Um, uh, I think this is his best movie. A lot of people do, I think. And, um, you know, it has uh, the, the earmarks that I'm not a huge fan of in, in his work, but it's, uh, it's gorgeous. It's so colorful. It's eerie. You've got these really long, big, glorious, cavernous, you know, rooms and, and, you know, these incredibly ornate wallpapers. I mean, it, it, it sets such a, a fractured fairy tale story. Well, and- that, that's interesting because the word is Argento had his cinematographer watch Snow White yeah. and the Seven Dwarfs. Yes, clearly. To have model the color scheme because that color scheme is so saturated. Yeah. 
uh, uh, and all the way back to what was that, 1937 for Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. But that's interesting. You bring up the fairy tale angle. Yeah, well, I and and Jessica Harper has a very Snow White look about her, and um, and you know, it's funny the the same sort of look I think uh, you can find in Tale of Two Sisters, which we're going to show in Fright Club in a few months. Um, it, it it gives it. It does. It gives it a creepy fairy tale feel about it, and that really works well for Suspiria because it's basically the story of this fragile girl. She's a she's a ballerina, and she's just sort of off on her own. And it's not in a an enchanted forest, but it's definitely an enchanted land, um, you know. And and people are dying, and, and in a very um, sexualized and boldly red, bloody way, as is usually the way with Argento films. Um, Udo Kier makes a makes a cameo. I love him. I love <laughs> yeah. him in all the things. Yes, it just looks great. You know, it just really does. I think that 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 Argento has created uh, an eerie, ethereal atmosphere in this film that I don't think he was able to match. Even in the, they're not exactly sequels, but the the other two witch movies that he did, the other two, um, Mother of Tears and and Inferno, the three mothers films. Yeah, that's the the uh, trilogy. Yeah, uh, that he refers to the Three Mothers uh, trilogy. But the interesting thing about this movie that I found out was that his original idea for the school uh, was that it would not accommodate girls any older than twelve. But then uh, the studio and the producer denied uh, that request because the film was going to be too violent, involving children, and it would almost they thought it would certainly be banned and it wouldn't that wouldn't hold up. So he raised the age limit of the girls to twenty. But he didn't rewrite the script, so the naivete of the characters is still there, childlike dialogue is still there, and also, you might look at all the doorknobs on the doors. They're very high up. They're closer to the actress's heads than, than uh, doorknobs would be for, a, for an adult, and to raise their arms in order to open the doors, just like children would. So it's interesting how he, okay, he accommodated the producer, right, right, but right. I'm not going to change anything. I still wanted to have that childlike quality. You know, there's something about um, Italian horror, um, especially his and Mario Bava's, that, and, and Lucio Fulci in particular, they feel surreal to a certain degree. Yeah. And, and I think that, that, that uh, Argento um, establishes that, most effectively in this movie because I think it it works better for the film itself than it does really in in any of the other Italian films that that use that idea. There are a couple of other could be so the witch school just to, right away it, it makes me think of of the craft right yeah, from nineteen ninety six yeah. which right. is you know kind of a favorite it's not great yeah, it's, it's not bad anything yeah. with Fruzabalk I mean yeah. it's just, yeah. she's just such a perfect witch. Um, that's not the first or last time probably she's played a witch well definitely not the first time. Um, and then, but then the other one that, that, that I think, especially because of, of the Italian connection, Black Sunday, mm-hmm. right? Mario Bava, Barbara Steele. Um, God, Barbara Steele. How, she's the best. <laughs> she's the best. And Black Sunday is not my favorite, but, um, it's one she, of the first slasher movies, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it, and it, um, uh, you know, she's just this witch back from the dead to possess and, you know, to also possess Barbara Steele. It's just, um, a fun gothic sort of a standard, uh, but, uh, one of the, uh, y- you always have to have one in there where there's actually a witch burning, which is, um, and, and then, and this one, she's got the spikes through her face, which Ooh, is, yeah. Nice. So I just want to throw in there a little love for Black <laughs> Sunday. But from 1977, the original Suspiria, but yeah, I'm, I'm, Really looking forward to uh, to the remake because hopefully I don't know I should really before before between now and then and I've got you know over a year I should really watch the original again because sure, I'm going to think maybe I'll have some more some more love for it I just didn't appreciate it at the time but uh, 1977 Suspiria number four on our list of our favorite witches and that takes us up to number three 
One that uh, gave a lot of little kids uh, a lot of nightmares in 1990, including one of our friends here on Fright Club, and that is The Witches. When a little boy accidentally stumbles into their secret world, he finds they've got a lot more power than he ever imagined. It's me, Luke! Luke! They turned me into a mouse. Now, the witches are on his tail. Whoa! And he must scurry around their evil plots. Oh. Squeak oh. past every danger. Ow! Oh, no. Finally setting the trap what? What? that will save the world from the witches. You know, I think that there is a possibility that I would have overlooked this were it not for the fact that uh, Dr. Neil McMarshall, uh, senior Stephen King correspondent, also known as Mac, put he, he tweeted it to us that this should be on here. And I thought hey, that's absolutely true, because first of all, Angelica Houston is amazing in this movie. And Great, it, yeah. and it is actually quite creepy. It is really it is. scary. Um, you know, it's a it's based on a Roald Dahl book, and so you've got who did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, among other things. And there are a lot of similarities, right? You've got a little kid who's you know out of his out of his league uh, and in some danger, and there's the loving grandparent, and the you know parents aren't really around, and, and the witches aren't around at all. And there's you know there's a, a great amount of darkness to almost everything that Roald Dahl wrote, but n- never more than this movie. Yeah, and it's interesting because it's kind of a a double-edged sword of his reaction to it. On one hand, he was apparently appalled at the vulgarity, the bad taste, and the actual terror, uh, you know, horror of certain parts of the film. And he he wanted his name and his title uh, taken off the film prior to the release. But then he got apparently he got an, a very apologetic, complimentary letter from Jim Henson uh, himself, and uh, Dahl, you know, withdrew the threat. But but on the other hand, um, he didn't like that they they changed the ending because uh, spoiler alert in the ending of the book uh Luke remains a mouse uh and so they filmed two endings they mm-hmm. filmed the ha- and well of course which do you think is going to test better <laughs> test test screenings uh the audiences wanted the happy ending so you get that uh, Luke is no longer a mouse so on one hand he didn't like the vulgarity but he wanted the the more downbeat ending because it was origi- his original that's book that's what he wrote yeah that's what he wrote yeah and it's a lot of fun, and it's very clever. Yeah. But you know, when they all tear off their heads, and they that's have those, it. That's, that's yeah. the thing. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, Angelica Houston is terrifying throughout the whole movie. She but, when they tear those masks off, and yeah. you said, "Yeah, it's it's scary." Yeah, because through a lot of it, you've got almost that. You know, you've got that "Honey, I Shrank the Kids" stuff going on. Yeah. When he's a little mouse mm-hmm, and sure. in the French fries or whatever he's in. <laughs> but that that's it. Yeah. I mean, she, yeah. She's a commanding presence always. But when they reveal that makeup, which you know back then especially took hour, I guess it took her like eight hours wow. of makeup for that face. That is, and then the way it's shot, it's kind of shot with crazy angles, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. coming up on them and almost like a, a carnival, like yeah. a House of Mirrors type of thing. I can definitely see where you know I was I was too old at the time, but I mean I can definitely see where kids would be creeped out by that. Oh, it's a good creepy scary witch movie, I think. So that's uh, number three from 1990, The Witches, on our top five witch movies. And that brings us up, oh man, we're getting good now. Number two, the classic, the iconic from 1968, Rosemary's Baby. What have you done to it? What have you done to its eyes? He has his father's eyes. What are you talking about? Guys, eyes are normal. What have you done to him, you maniac? Satan is his father, not Guy. Hail Adrian! Hail Adrian! Hail Satan! Hail Satan! 
And didn't we all kind of figure that somewhere a witch was going to look like Ruth Gordon? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's a lovable old lady, but not really. No. Eat your mouse. I brought you a nice mouse. <laughs> oh my god, she is so she is so great. She is so great in that movie. But the whole movie, um, you know the you know Mia Farrow's handicapping pregnancy yeah. for me makes the entire film so uncomfortable to watch. Well, she just is the picture of vulnerability. There, there's so many things going on. Of course, it's 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 another thought of as another trilogy, right? Uh, Roman Polanski's trilogy, along with Repulsion and The Tenant, the tenant. about apartment and city dwelling mm-hmm. so boy that that comes into play in this movie too oh very much yeah and it's a great idea you know the because you know you don't really think of of witches as being an urban blight right you know? right and uh, and it's just it's just a I, I loved the idea of it being you know not just any old city i mean it's a very upper crust manhattan it's just you know it was no place you expected to see well that was i believe that building was the dakota yeah it was where dakota. john lennon yes, was it was, was murdered yeah and um but the other thing i loved is that the the just absolute lack of glamour there's no there's just they're just frumpy old people and then the old women who just want to you know get get the breast milk you know after the baby's born just you know <laughs> yeah. uh, you, you know what i mean and not to say that witches are necessarily glamorous cuz they usually seem like hags but these people are are more like cafeteria ladies you know <laughs> yeah. which i loved uh, i loved cuz you cuz you think to yourself well why exactly have you sold your soul then? I mean, what are you getting out of this exactly? You live in this apartment and you, I don't understand, but it's, uh, it's just a fascinating take on it, I think. You know, and one of the things, uh, interesting uh, ways that uh, Polanski shot a scene, the, the scene where uh, Rosemary was calling Donald, the, the yeah. guy who goes mysteriously glo- goes blind. Yes. Mia Farrow did not know who was going to be speaking the lines on the other end. Turns out it was Tony Curtis. <laughs> And she didn't know that, and so the scene, she shows some confusion because, in reality, she thought the voice sounded familiar because she knew Tony Curtis, but she couldn't place it. So you, <laughs> you kind of see that on her face, and it's interesting to hear those stories of how directors play with their cast yeah. to get certain reactions. Yeah. And not only that, but in the scene where she goes into traffic, apparently that was just real. He just said, go, go do it. No one is going to hit a pregnant lady. Wow. Yeah, which is... <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But uh, there's it's there's so many creepy um, angles to this movie, and in a way, without getting into the witch, there's it has that slow build about it. Does. it. N- not not quite you know on, on par with the witch, but it has that slow build where if you didn't read the book, if you didn't know what was going on, what well, what is going on? Yeah. And her husband is so complicit in this whole thing until you finally get to the fact and the where she's drugged and they're conceiving, and you see that crazy face, that devilly yeah. face, that mask. Which, by the way, that costume. Uh, was later reused in. Have you seen a movie called uh, Asylum of Satan? No. From 1972, they reused that suit. Um, so might have to look it up. Might have to check that one. Yeah. out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and it's very. There are parts of that, like that scene, very surreal. Yeah. Because she was on drugs. drugs She's drugged yeah. up at the time. Yeah. But still, very surreal. And it just all the has dream a, sequences yeah. are 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 really fascinating. And just even the simplest way he used the cinematography, especially inside the building, it was just so evocative. It made you feel like, what's around this corner? Are they going to get around this corner? I want to see what's you know. It was just well, it was just masterfully made. Yeah, and uh, another choice that um, I think it probably a good choice uh, that Polanski made originally that the produce one of the producers wanted to wanted you to get a final shot of a real grotesque baby, a real just give you a shot, mm. and they wanted it to remain ambiguous, which I think was a good choice. I do too because it's it's difficult. 
Anybody who's seen a movie with a zombie baby, it's difficult for that not to come off as comical. <laughs> or that baby in Twilight. Remember that oh baby? Oh, my God. What was her name? Renesme? Renesme? Oh, my Lord. Awful. Yes. But uh, anyway, let's talk about good movies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, none other than, we talked about the book. It was written by Ira Levine. Ira Levin? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, he uh, proclaimed that this movie was, quote, the single most faithful adaptation of a novel ever to come out of Hollywood. Wow. Yeah. Apparently, they just took sections verbatim from the movie, and he was obviously quite pleased well, with it. Well, yeah, I, I imagine he would be. It was clearly a brilliantly written novel then. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it, it still, you know, it still holds up today. It definitely does. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, you know, and, and uh, Mia Farrow's performance is... is um, just you know, it's fragile and but it's believable uh, to the degree that she just keeps going back and forth, and you just you want to yell at her, you know, like no, you shouldn't feel like that. Right. You should feel better than that. Yeah. But then, but then they bring her friends over, and it's like they address everything right as you're thinking it. They mm-hmm. they address it in the film, and then and then finally they're out there, and the you know Ruth Gordon and all the people are oh out there god. with the hail Satan's, and they're putting up their drinks. Oh and my it, god. Yeah, and and it, she also set off kind of a. A fashion trend with that haircut. Yeah. Uh, that was actually, they flew in uh, a young Vidal Sassoon huh. to cut her hair. And it became, you know, the new, what, what was that, a pixie? What do you call that? Like a pixie cut? Whatever. But uh, so it had all sorts of sociological uh, implications. But the haircut was amazing because what it did was emphasize her frailty. That's mm-hmm. what it did. Yeah. Um, it made her look less healthy um, and and more fragile. And and I loved, I mean, the thing about Ruth Gordon is is that, there's such an absurdity in every scene that she's in. I mean, she plays it comically when nothing else is comedic in the movie. <laughs> yeah, right. And it just makes everything like off kilter, which yeah. is perfect because there is something definitely strange afoot. Yeah. And well, and her just her voice and oh, her, yeah. her way of delivery is always just kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it definitely puts everything off kilter. And she is so frail looking. And then she's she's either weak because she's pregnant, or hugely pregnant because she's such a small yeah, body yeah. person or they've got her full of drugs or whatever. And it's total helplessness, and it just it gives you that that creepy feeling pretty much from from start to finish. So that was one of the all timers from 1968, number two on our list, and that is Rosemary's Baby, only leaving one room for one at the top, and that is our new favorite from just this year. And I'll tell you right now, we are going to give some spoilers if you haven't seen The Witch. Um, you might want to uh, put on some Barry Manilow or something <laughs> and feel better because we're going to get into this with our special guest, but uh, it is The Witch from this year. This wilderness will not consume us. Who's there? You've cursed this family. This is witchcraft. She plays a curse on me. Why have you turned against me? I saw it. Your reign of evil. It's not safe. Not with them. Think all my sins. Yeah, we we love that movie so much, and uh, we want to get into it in full detail. So once again, let's give you that spoiler warning that uh, there's no real way to get into the you know, the real meat and potatoes of this, uh, why it works for us, why maybe it doesn't for somebody else without giving away some plot points. So uh, fair warning, we will probably do that. And we welcome in 
back for his second appearance on the podcast, an Emmy winner for his work with Fritz the Night Owl. It's Mike McGrainer. Hello, hello. Thank you. Hey, glad to have you. <laughs> and uh, it's funny when I reached out to you about this and, uh, and uh, you said, oh, my my reputation is preceding me about that. Uh, I was scared I was about to become the most hated man on the Fight Club. No, 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 no. <laughs> not at all. I think it's interesting because uh, this a, a movie like this, uh, and we when we first started talking about it, uh, and when we were lucky enough to see it, you know, at least a week or so early, we knew right away it was going to be polarizing. It was just going to be one of those movies. Yeah, I, you know, honestly, I thought it would be more than it is, although I have talked to several people who just thought it was boring. Just, they were bored out of their minds. And oh, then, yeah. um, and uh, I was at a, an Oscar panel the other day with John DeSando, uh, who uh, does a, a It's Movie Time on WCBE, and he didn't think it was boring. He enjoyed it, but he wanted it to be metaphorical. He didn't like any of the scenes where it became reality. Mm-hmm. So... We've talked about it at length. We don't want to put words in your mouth. So just give us your, you know, what worked for you, what didn't, what's your take on it? You know, it's interesting what John said, because I kind of I agree with that. Um, here's my stance on the movie. It's a very well-acted, very atmospheric drama. Uh, nothing about the movie scared me in the slightest, and that's what kind of disappointed me. And I think, I think ultimately it's just the marketing and the hype behind this, the endorsement by the satanic church, you know, yada, yada, yada. It's just, it's, it's marketing at its best, but it didn't deliver on the hype that was in my mind going in. And I think that the biggest uh, problem is, it obviously, you know, you look back to things like The Village with that by M. Night Shyamalan, and of course when that came out, everyone hated it because it wasn't the horror movie that they were going to see. It was a drama. didn't mean the movie was awful. It just meant that, like, you know, it, it was not your expectations. I think where The Witch would have been terrifying to me is if in the film uh, you would have never seen The Witches whatsoever because the whole point uh, of the story, you know, if we're isolated with the family, if we're like right there and we're alone uh, and, and their faith is destroying them and they're falling apart, like it's a very well-acted drama. And then if the girl would have talked to the goat and wandered into the forest to see the witches floating, and then she began to float and smile. Like, that would have been the best surprise, like, the, the big, you know, because you're not sure something's out there. That would have confirmed something was out there without you peeking behind the curtain away from the family okay. and see what was out there. Well, that so. sounds, now that sounds to me, correct me, that sounds to me like a little bit of a contradiction, because it sounds like you're saying you actually would want even less. To, on one hand, you're saying not much happens. On the other hand, you're saying I'd like to better if even less happened. Well, I felt that the couple scenes where you did see the witches in this film sort of, I felt like they were put in there because it was, there was nothing happening. Like, I mean, and then, so that was my other, my other gripe. I, I think the movie would have been more effective that way. I don't know if I still would have liked it. <laughs> like, because <laughs> like, I think my biggest problem is the fact that I was just waiting for something to happen. And another movie I'll reference is Rob Zombie's Lords of Salem, which is not a, uh, great movie by any means. I like it because I, I like Rob Zombie, but there are scenes in that movie where you are you are startled by something that you catch in the corner of a frame and it sends a chill up your spine and even though it may not pay off in Lords of Salem the way you want it to, it's sort of like, there were those moments of uneasiness and just like, ooh, like, you know, when you're driving home after the movie, you're a little disturbed. And I guess that's what I, exactly what I expected from The Witch and while, like, the moment it was over, we watched it at, like, 1.30 in the morning, and the, the moment it was over, 
you know, I went upstairs, I turned the projector off, and I went home, and I just didn't feel the least bit creeped out. I felt like I had watched, like, Little House on the Prairie with, like, a rotten apple being thrown up. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh. You know, I mean, we've said... <laughs> We've said before, you know, horror is is uh, a lot like comedy where, you know, a comedy, either it's funny to you or it's not. And it doesn't really matter. You know, it's like nothing somebody else could say could change that. And I think to find something scary, it's exactly the same way that well, I've said many times on the podcast, the movie, The Blair Witch Project scared me like no other film I had ever seen because it hit every single one of my personal primal fears. And a lot of other people thought it was the most boring thing they'd ever seen. Um uh, and and uh, for me, the way that the 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 unerring authenticity of the movie, you know, it, it obviously made everybody think of the Crucible. Everybody thought of the Crucible when they're watching this movie. Um, and then the fact that he just upends your expectations in a way that. You know, you're so um, used to seeing films like this where it's really about zealotry and how and how your dogmatic following can turn on you and you turn on each other. But but in this case, and it's also the isolation of this family, you know, that there really was something to me was just a fascinating and incredibly creepy turn. And then the other thing is by the end of the film, when she talked to the goat, you're thinking to yourself, I hope that goat talks back because what else is she going to do? And then you're like, how bad off could it be that I'm hoping the goat talks back? <laughs> like, it's got to be a worse decision, but what else is she going to do? And that is so, to me, so unsettling that there was a part of me that hoped the goat would talk back. <laughs> it's just part of me that hoped Satan was going to give this woman a deal. That is just, I mean, that was just the most unsettling idea to me. You know, when you say that, I mean, I mean, it is interesting. I'm with you 110% on the Blair Witch, um, and, that, and that's another one. We were talking about it as a staff. Um, it was one of those things where I brought up the Blair Witch, and I said the scariest thing about that is, in the end, when you saw the guy standing in the corner, yes. you, you knew. I mean, I mean, that terrified me because it's like there is no hope. There is this, you know, <laughs> and 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 I guess like, but again, if you think about that. The Blair Witch and this are very similar, and the fact that there wasn't much that happened in the Blair Witch. Like, they found that little, I think it was a tongue and teeth in the handkerchief. Exactly, yeah. There were just a couple little things, very similar. The difference is, we didn't know if there was a witch, we knew something was out there, and we didn't know until the end that it it is, you know, the story repeating itself and making the kids stand in the corner while the other one's killed, and kind of, and I guess the the fact that you kind of knew, oh my God, there's the reality of it, there is a witch, was scary, uh, and equally terrifying in The Witch, but uh, again, we knew the witches were out there, we had seen them on screen earlier, and I guess it's kind of like the family didn't didn't see them, the family didn't know where their baby went, and I think that if we were stuck with that, if we were with them, and we were banished, and we didn't get to peek oh, on the other side of the woods, it would have just been more effective, I think, so... <laughs> And, and plus, I kind of get a feeling with not only The Witch, but uh, going back a couple of years with It Follows, even, um, oh. uh, and, and movies like that, what, I guess what they're calling indie art house horror. The Babadook. They get, the Babadook. They get these, these build-ups, and number one, you've got the whole, you know, today's internet uh, you know, mindset where, no, if it's, if it's popular, I'm going to rip it down. But right. then I'm not sure it's fair to, you know knock a movie down for just for the hype because aren't those two separate things you've got the hype and the movie well, itself on the other hand i do think it's happened to me before where i'm so disappointed in a film because my expectations were high and it's not necessarily the fault of the movie but it doesn't change the fact that i didn't like it 
because I thought I would like it more. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's just... this, this is one hundred ten percent my messed up head because like, it, <laughs> it, I mean I, I guarantee I mean enough people like this it's an eighty three percent of Rotten Tomatoes like there there is no way that this is a bad movie this is just I I just I just I you know I, I had a friend who saw it at Sundance not this year but the year before and he came back just terrified and said and, and so he told me over a year ago that it was one of the most terrifying movies he has ever seen. And so that's my fault, because for a year, I could not wait to see this. Uh, well, but I, I can also tell that you have the respect for how well it's put together. Sure. I mean, the, the look of it and the production values are astounding. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the movie, as I said, like if they would have said, you know, this is a, a very powerful drama, I, I, I almost, you could have put the same movie in front of me, and I would have been like... Awesome. It's all it's all the expectation, I think. It's not, you know, I think of movies like The Exorcist or The Shining or Suspiria and those slow builds that, like, pay off. And then you listen to The Witch, and, I mean, these reviews are, like, one of the most terrifying movies ever made. And I guess that's where I was just like, are, aren't you going a little, <laughs> like, are, are, are you sending people in a little high? Like, you, you kind of want to send them in low and then have it scare the hell out of them. Mm -hmm. So Okay. Uh. Okay. Well, <laughs> where, where do you fall? Do you, do you think it's fair to group this in with the movies like The Babadook and, and It Follows? I don't know. I'm, I'm super fan of both of those movies. Yeah, uh, okay. So, so it's a tough, like, It Follows especially is just, I can't watch that enough. I mean, it's such a great atmospheric, I mean, the score and yeah. everything looks like, everything looks like fall, and the neighborhood looks like the neighborhood you grew up in as a kid. It's just like, it, it hits home so much. Um, and the Babadook is just, you know, the, the whole metaphor in that movie I think is amazing. Yeah. yeah. You know, me dealing with depression, friends I've had dealt with depression, and just the depression and grief that the Babadook represented, I thought was just genius. Well, you know, I, I think it's interesting that you don't really consider The Witch a horror movie. I get a lot of grief on this podcast for movies that I say, no, that didn't make the list because I don't think it's a horror movie. Um, and this, to me, from the moment that baby is gone and then that, you know, the uh, bathing scene after. I mean, yes, it's, this, it's, smearing, a, yeah. it's a horror movie to yeah. me. It is. And, uh, and oh, my God, the creepy twins. Yes, please. Every time, bah, every time they did that, I was like, ah. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I will tell you that, like, enough, enough people. I mean, me hating on this movie on the Internet is definitely at this point, for humor purposes, like with the Columbus. And, sure. Or, you know, anytime I see someone put a comment up, it's like playful sparring, and I don't actually think bad of anybody who likes this movie. Oh, no. So, sure. so you're admitting you're a troll. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, I'm admitting I'm a troll to my friends, yeah. Right, exactly, exactly. It's all, it's yeah. all loving. Yeah, it is. I'm glad the movie exists. I'm, I'm, obviously, it's an indie film, and I'm glad it's making all this money. That's awesome. So, I mean, you know, I, I'm... I'm glad people are passionate about it. I'm really glad it scared them because that gives me hope that anything just a little bit terrifying is going to really scare people. So I can't wait for that movie to come out. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, Mike McGrainer, our senior Emmy winning correspondent. Our from only a... Emmy winning correspondent. <laughs> well, he could be our senior. Right. Or, or no, I guess Fritz would be the senior. So he's, right. he's the junior. That's right. Okay. So we're demoting you right now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for uh, thanks for the insight. I appreciate it. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All right, so a little bit of a dissenting opinion. Obviously, he doesn't hate it. No, uh, but he doesn't he acknowledges like it. That it's a very yeah. well made film. It I just don't know didn't how scare you him. Can. No. Even if it doesn't scare oh, you, it's such a well made. It film. is.
even if it doesn't scare you. And by the way, if you if you uh, have your own thoughts or if you like this t- type of conversation, I really have to um, recommend a column on, I think it's Medium, medium.com, uh, written by a guy named Jason Kaufman. It's been shared around uh, some of the other, some of the uh, horror sites. As you can definitely find it on the Columbus Horror Society that we frequent. Uh, the guy has just great thoughts about this whole uh, pushback to indie art house horror and how you know he's hoping that the two camps can coexist yeah. without cannibalizing it is, each other. It is a really a well written article. I think it's called "We Can't." Well, this is why we can't have nice things. Right? Who's right. great? So, uh, so check it out. It's very, very interesting. And um, by all means, let us know where you come down on this uh, on the witches. If there's something we missed, or where you come down on the witch uh, itself, the movie. Uh, let us know. Twitter, of course, we're at Mad Wolf, M A D D W O L F. Facebook, we're Mad Wolf Columbus, and we always love to hear from you. So, as of right now, I don't think we've really landed on next week's topic. We got a couple kicking around, but uh, we haven't, you know, entirely decided. I know the week after that, what we're doing. There we go. It's going to be our next Fright Club Live. That's right. Uh, and we're going to count down the five best Irish horror movies. And uh, we're going to show a really super fun creature feature called Grabbers. Yeah. And we're going to drink and we're going to take a shower with Irish Spring and we're going <laughs> to eat our lucky charms eat our lucky charms <laughs> and get in the whole spirit. So no, it's going to be a lot of fun. So please if you're in the area again it's the Gateway Film Center on High Street in Columbus right there, the Ohio State University campus and uh, we have a ball. We've got some great people always inviting new fright clubbers out, meeting new people all the time. I think last uh, time we met uh, Alex and uh, and Rebecca and Q uh, and Q caused some new members. So please come out and join the fun. It's always a blast. And uh, keep in uh, keep in contact until Fright Club next week. I'm Hope Madden. And I'm George Wolf, And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay frightful, my friends. And stay witchy. It must be the season of the world.